Welcome to episode four of Have a Blessed Gay, your weekly spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Martin. Y'all, four is my favorite number. So if that's not a sign this is gonna be a good episode, I don't know what is. Also, a big shout out to all the new subscribers and reviewers. Thank you for doing that and joining me on this adventure. And if you haven't yet, it would be very appreciated. You've probably heard someone say the phrase, I'm not really religious, I'm more spiritual. Yeah, that phrase started becoming popular around the early 2000s, like Hilary Duff and MySpace. Do you remember who your top friends were? Are they still your top friends? Yeah, probably not. Some people think that ideology is slowly taking the place of organized religion. And I think, yeah, because most organized religion sucks. Like I touched on in the last episode, there is a major difference between being religious and being spiritual. Religion is community. It is a social cultural system of beliefs, usually with specific forms of worship toward a higher power or powers. Now, spirituality or faith is the quality of being concerned with a human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. In other words, it is your own personal relationship with yourself, the universe, or a higher power. It is faith in things not necessarily seen, a connection to the soul and this amazing world around us. And here is a very important takeaway. People can be spiritual without being religious. And in that same way, people can be religious without being spiritual. And honestly, I think I see more of the latter. People doing horrible, ethically shitty things in the name of religion. But I digress. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Casper Turk-Kyle, the author of the new book, The Power of Ritual, turning everyday activities into soulful practices. Casper is a Harvard Divinity School fellow and co-host of the popular Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast. In his book, he explores how we can nourish our souls by transforming common everyday practices like exercise, reading, or walking the dog into sacred rituals. Casper invites us to deepen these ordinary practices as intentional rituals that nurture connection and well-being. It's a call to heal our loss of connection to ourselves, to others, and to our spiritual identities. So if you are a person who might not feel connected to religion, but you are seeking to deepen your relationship with yourself and spirituality, you're going to love his book and love this conversation. We dive into his book, talk about the concept of reading a text as something sacred, and how we can find more meaning in our daily lives. So let's get into it. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp 
betterhelp.com slash blessgay to check it out and get what? 10% off. The best part is you don't even have to leave your house. They offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor, video calls, phone calls, real-time chat, and direct messaging. All counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board. In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessedgay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash blessgay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash blessedgay. Casper Turkayle, welcome to Have a Blessed Gay. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) I am so happy you are here, and I just want to get into it. Tell us who you are and what the hell you do. First of all, can I say that your podcast is the best name that I've ever heard of? (laughs) I was like, this is awesome. Oh Um, my gosh, stop it. Stop (laughs) it. So, yeah, my name is Casper, and um, I spend my time thinking about the future of spirituality and community. Um, and I have a, a book that's just come out called The Power of Ritual. Um, and I, I'm a researcher at Harvard Divinity School, and, and I run a small organization with two colleagues called Sacred Design Lab. Um, so I'm kind of obsessed with the questions of, like, spiritual well-being, um, community, and but in a way that is very much always thinking about the future. Um, and so thinking about how... You you know, more and more of us are less and less religious, but that we're still interested in questions of meaning and purpose and connection and finding spirituality in, in some unlikely places. You're also involved in something that I am absolutely in love with, and I know a lot of other people are too. You co-host a wonderful podcast with Vanessa Zoltan called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Would you tell us about the podcast and what you do on there? So I'm really passionate about helping people take things that they're already doing in their lives and turning them into a spiritual practice. And Harry Potter is such a great example because you know, millions and millions of people around the world love these books, right? Maybe rereading them when, when they're going through a breakup or maybe just every January, right? Like as a little ritual to just reread the books. Um, and so there's already this community of people who are turning towards these books, as you could imagine, turning towards a sacred text. But what we do is to take the specific sacred text reading practices from Christianity and from Judaism and then apply them to the Harry Potter books. So we're not reading the books as an escape, um, but we're reading them really as a as a way to learn about how we want to live. We're using them as a mirror to reflect on our own lives. Um, and so what we do every 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 episode, we read a chapter of the books. We're now into book seven. So we're nearly coming to the end of our kind of five-year reading journey. Um, And we read it through a theme. So we might look at the theme of hope 
or the theme of neglect or the theme of justice or the theme of revenge or, or love, you know, all of these wonderfully juicy themes. And we look where that theme shows up in the book. So, um, you know, what are Hermione and Harry doing with, uh, you know, the, 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 the potions class or what's happening with um, Mrs. You know, Professor McGonagall. All these characters have such rich lives, which you can apply those themes to. But the, I think the place where we really do the best work in the podcast is when we take those traditional reading practices. So to take one example of Lectio Divina, which just means in Latin sacred reading. And it's a way in which, especially in the medieval period, um, monks would engage with um, the Bible in this way. You would read it um, not just as a, as a story to be interested in, but as a way to think about how you want to live your life. And so Guido II, who was a monk in the I think, 13th, 14th century, has this wonderful four-step practice on how to do this. So the first layer you, you take a sentence maybe of the text, or even a couple of words, you can pick it at random um, and you ask yourself, well, what's happening in this piece of the passage, right? What, just on a narrative level, where are, where are we in the story? That's usually how we read, but that's just step one. Step two, we then ask ourselves, what am I reminded of um, in terms of other stories or songs or poems or images or, or movies, right? What allegorical connections can I find from this piece of text to other things around me uh, in our culture? And it's a way of kind of broadening and opening our imagination, opening our hearts, opening our minds to think about how this connects elsewhere. Then we ask, what does this text remind me of in my, in my own life, right? Have I had an experience where I feel some of the things that are happening uh, uh, in this part of the text? And then finally, we ask ourselves, what action is the text inviting me to take? So you might read a passage that's about, you know, Dobby the house elf and end up thinking about, oh, I, I really should call my sister who I haven't spoken to in far too long, or I'm going to book myself a massage, you know, like who knows what the action is. It can be big or small, but it's basically a way of, of encountering our own lives through the text that helps us live the way we want to live. Um, and, and what I love is that, you know, people find new things to love about the Harry Potter books, but it's also an amazing way in which we get to do reflection, um, especially for people who maybe don't feel comfortable in a traditional religious context. You know, we could, we can still inherit those traditions, but do them in a way that feels like they're authentically ours. So in recent news, J.K. Rowling has a yet again made problematic statements, this time continuing her anti-trans rhetoric. That's right. And I was so anxiously awaiting the podcast response about it. And I thought, what you all said was really terrific. And it made me think, though, about other books that we do find sacred, books that are written, translated, and passed down by humans. And those humans may potentially be problematic. So then what does that do to the book? Can a person still call that book sacred, even if they disagree with the author? I find this question extremely fascinating. And I am very excited to hear your take on it. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I want to say is that I totally get that if it's painful even to like engage with the story, like you need to take a break from it. Totally get that. Um, and, and I wouldn't want to force anyone to do anything that they want, don't want to do. So I'll, I'll put that up front. But our position has always been that we are not interested in authorial intent right? We're not reading the book because I care about what J.K. Rowling wanted. From the very beginning, we never talk about her. Uh, we, we never talk about the plot even, uh, really very much in the sense of like, oh, this doesn't make sense, or why are they wearing muggle clothes, right? Like that, that kind of stuff. 
it can be fun as a fan conversation, but our conversation is always about really what does this mean in my life, right? How can I live differently? Um, and so we're, we're really, from my perspective, like the book doesn't belong to her anymore. <laughs> that's, that's where I've ended up is, and of course, like she profits from, uh, you know, if you buy the book or you go to the theme park. So, uh, highly encourage buying secondhand books or, <laughs> you know, yeah. Different way to engage to engage financially, but in terms of the, the story and the characters and the role that they play in our lives, it's so much bigger than her now. Um, and I, it is, it has been so heartwarming to see the ways in which the fandom across all sorts of different organizations has said, you know, we stand against transphobia. We love our trans listeners, friends, uh, um, and, and fellow readers, um, and to, to really be led, um, by folks who are impacted by those statements. Um, and it's something at the heart of our show as well, that we always include a voicemail from a listener because Vanessa and I are both white. Um, you know, we, we, we live very privileged ways, lives in a lot of different ways. Um, and so we're always hungry to hear from listeners about what did they see in the text and how can they, what, what can they reveal to us um, from their reading? And people's experiences shape the, their reading of the text in such powerful and beautiful ways that you see new elements in, in the text, but in your own life as well. And I, I just love having that privilege of, of learning from, from and with our community. I love all your ideas about sacred reading and and I find all the research you've done about it so interesting and I'm flooded with so many thoughts and and memories back to when I was a kid. I remember um like for example, my grandparents read the Christian Bible every single day. My grandparents on my mother's side and I would sit with them sometimes as they read or I would even read with them sometimes. But what's interesting about it is that's all they did. Like they just read it aloud. They didn't talk about it. The reading wasn't like interrupted or followed by discussion. It was just the reading. And so I wonder if they had taken your ideas of looking inward and and, and outward with, with someone else and, and really talking about it, what they could have gained from it. And it makes me think, looking back as an observer anyway, it seems like that practice was maybe more of a habit than a ritual for them, a distinction that you write about in your book. And um, so let's let's go ahead and just talk about your book, The Power of Ritual, Turning Everyday Activities into Soulful Practices. It just came out June 23rd. Congratulations. It's really really terrific. How does that feel to write and release a book? I mean, could you be more of an adult? <laughs> you know, someone described the process of writing as being locked in a room with the most stupid version of yourself. Um, that feels very true. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, you know, I, I've never thought of myself as a writer, so it, it was a process. Um, but I'm, I'm really thrilled and mostly because I think by writing it, I reflected so much on, on my, on my life, of course, but especially my upbringing. And I just saw the ways in which my mom was so central to the things that I care about now, right? Like the, the, the care she took and the attention she paid and the investment she made in my three sisters and I, like I, I, I get to reap the rewards of that every day. So I, I, I appreciate my parents and my mom, especially more than ever having, having written this and that, that feels really good, but it's also, you know, 
writing a book is one of those things like one day I'll write a book and then everything will be solved. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Surprise, you know, wherever you go, there you are. Um, and (laughs) it's true, right? Like I still have to have a shower in the morning, right? Like, so to some extent it's, you know, it's absolutely an achievement and I'm thrilled and it was beautiful and hard, but it's also like, you know, I'm still me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is still you. But that's something that makes it so special. I I feel like your voice really comes through. And I so appreciate your genuine approach with the book. And you write some about your own experiences. And there's a line early on in the book that specifically stood out to me. It reads, I am confident that without my experience as a lonely closeted teenager at a boys boarding school, that I wouldn't be as passionate about deep connection today. We simply cannot know connection without also experiencing disconnection. I think this is such a powerful line and a message we really need to remember. How can we know good times if we've never experienced bad times, right? Yeah, I I mean, that sentiment, it it feels still so true. And I love the idea that the wound can be the gift. Um, You know, Joseph Campbell is a great mythologist, um, talks about that, you know, for for a lot of us, the the source of pain is also the source of power, um, that, that, that we have the we have the insight and the capacity to transform that relationship or that experience, um, in a way that can help other people. And and that feels very true for me. And I wouldn't have gotten there on my own. Honestly, I, I had a wonderful mentor, um, who, when I was, I think maybe 23, she sat me down and she was like, Casper, I'm going to be your mentor because you're never going to ask for help. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, thank you. Yeah, to have someone come to you, I think is really special. And yeah, anyone listening, if you know of anyone in your life, don't force yourself on anyone, but just offer your time. and, And that can really help and change a person's life. And you don't need to be some sort of like, you know, Dumbledore figure, right? Like you can just go in and ask some questions and show interest, right? Like is someone creating something or are they, are they passionate about something? Just ask them questions and, and tell them that you believe in them. I mean, that stuff changes people's lives. Now, you mentioned throughout the book that you went to an all-male boarding school. Mm-hmm. Just a walk-in, <laughs> talk-in English stereotype. What, um, <laughs> did you, I have a question about that, though. Did you ever, like, come out at the school to anyone, or were you completely in? No, no, I did. And I have everything to thank to my friend Nick, who I haven't spoken to in a long time now, but he came out two weeks before I did. Hey, Nick. Um, He came out two weeks before I did. And we were both 16, I think, at the time. And so because he came out first, he got the kind of full brunt. And when I did, it was like, oh, whatever. You know, everyone knew, right? Like Everyone's gay now. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, one one of the things that I did struggle with, and I still struggle with just within the kind of like the gay community or the queer community, is like Nick was everything that I wanted to be right. Like handsome, confident, you know, taking his shirt off at every club in London, you know, and like living his best, like scene life. And I've always been not very sceny. I'm like listening to like Mozart and like eating chocolate, <laughs> reading, you know, like, it's like yeah. a book. Um, and so I, I, I just never quite I, I, like I, I was not that kind of gay, you know, and I kind of, I kind of admired and, and, 
and looked up to him. Um, but I will forever remember like our friendship, even though we were very different, like there's just a solidarity in that experience that, that was so important to me and I will forever be grateful to him. Um, and honestly, mostly the reaction from, from classmates was good. Um, there were a couple, you know, if sometimes I still look up those people on LinkedIn just to kind of see where they are now in life. It's very satisfying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you're like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. (laughs) Second divorce already. Okay. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm so full of judgment. It's not a good spiritual trait, but, um, there it is. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I did come out, I did come out. And, and again, you know, I was, I was so affirmed by, by my parents and sisters and family. I, I know I've been extremely lucky, but as my therapist says, just cause you had it better than most people doesn't mean you didn't feel any pain. Um, so I, I try and hold those two things together. Coming out is just a really strange experience, especially cause usually, you know, we're just trying to understand ourselves and, and, and figure out what's going on inside, which brings me to the first section of your book. You have rituals broken down into four sections, connecting with yourself, connecting with the people around you, connecting with the natural world and connecting with the transcendent in chapter one, connecting with self. I was quite moved by a quote of one of your Harry Potter and the Sacred Text audience members. It's something that I think is just really relevant right now. The quote reads, I thought I got where I was due to my own hard work, ambition, and courage. But as I reflect on it, I realized I'm actually fairly lazy and cowardly. Once I started to actually see other people and see myself, I realized that being an upper middle class white man raised in a stable home had gained me more than my effort, ambition or courage. That's a really big statement and takes some deep reflection to to get to. How can reading something as a sacred text help us connect with ourselves in this kind of deep way, revealing truths that we might not have otherwise known. Yeah, it's so extraordinary. And, you know, we receive emails like that all the time. Um, just, just that sense of people having insights because of the way that, you know, that, that they're engaging the text or they're hearing someone else talk about the text. One of the beautiful things about using text as an introspection tool is that it allows us maybe to safely venture into places that we might be a little afraid to go on our own. You know, we, we can talk about the story and what happens in the story is kind of an allegorical description of our own life. It's truly remarkable what that type of self-reflection can bring up. But the power of ritual is not just confined to our inner selves. But reading chapter two amid COVID-19 was very fascinating. The chapter is called Connecting with Others. (laughs) You talk about the importance of community and connecting with other people. So I am very curious, how have you maintained your relationships and in what ways have you found to intimately connect with people in this different state of the world we find ourselves in? Have you made any new or different discoveries? Wow. Yeah, it's it's a different world. I think one of the one of the things that I really want to remember that, you know, spiritual practices across traditions teach us is that when we think about connecting with other people, we often think about language. We think about talking, conversation, 
um, you know, kind of building intimacy through sharing stories. And all of those are wonderful. Um, but there are also ways of feeling connected to others um, in embodied practices. So whether it's, um, you know, I write a lot about working out together as a way of building connection. Um, but where, maybe it's through dance, maybe it's through singing, maybe it's through shared silence. Like we can actually develop real intimacy together, um, not using words. And so one of the things that I'm really interested in is how is this experience of COVID going to invite us to think about new ways of connecting together? Um, and it doesn't always have to involve a screen, <laughs> right? Like there are, there are other ways that we can, we can do that. Maybe more things will be happening outside. Uh, maybe there'll be, um, you know, e even sharing a practice at the same time, just knowing that someone else is doing it too, even if you can't hear or see each other helps us feel more, more connected. Um, so the idea of like, you know, eating the same recipe on a certain night and then, you know, later talking about it. Uh, th there are all of these wonderful ways in which I think we can still feel connected. But the final thing I'll say, just, you know, a lot of focus is on community uh, when we think about connection, but there's also other kinds of connections which have really increased in this time. I think our connection to place, to a landscape, uh, right, a neighborhood, feeling connected maybe to certain plants that grow in our house or a tree on the street outside, um, right, feeling connected to time as we watch those little plants grow and have leaves and, and blossoms and maybe fruit. Um, you know, that, that, that sense of belonging to a place, I think, is one of the things that before COVID, we, many of us did not feel at all, and, and a lot of us feel a lot more of now. Um, so there's, there's different layers of connection, which are really important to me. My partner and I moved just like a month and a half before COVID happened. <gasps> and oh that actually in, in, in the way that you're saying it was helpful though, we have mm. very quickly <laughs> claimed the new apartment as our home and mm. the neighborhood as our as our neighborhood and that i think that happened because we've been here constantly 24/7 and i don't know like how quickly that would have happened otherwise so i am actually yeah. really grateful for that and the ability just to explore this area in a way that i definitely would not have and continuing into chapter three and connecting with nature so this was an interesting one for me because honestly i am just so <laughs> not outdoorsy <laughs> me too. Me too. I have, i've never gone camping and i'm okay with that fact like <laughs> there was one time that i stayed in a cabin and I that thought that might be the last night of my life. Like it was terrifying <laughs> and it was just traditionally not my thing. Um, but I've been working on it. I run, I've been like running outside lately. I take my dog on this like long walk. We have this beautiful trail right next to our apartment. We're very lucky after reading your chapter. I was like, okay, I'm going to actually take these notes and I'm going to use them. And during my walk with her that day, I really just tried to embrace everything on it. I was looking at the colors. I uh, looked at the textures, the noises. I saw flowers that I had never seen before. I found this beautiful rock wall with ivy. Uh, it's gorgeous that I had never noticed before. I don't know how I've never noticed it before. And it made the walk really special. Why do you think it is so important to connect with nature? Oh, I love that so much. I, and it's such a great illustration. In the, in the book, I talk about, um, you know, turning a habit like taking a dog for a walk into a, into a ritual. It needs us to set an intention like you did, right? I want to notice. I want to be present. 
to pay attention while it's happening. And I love that you chose colors because that's such a great strategy because it's all about using the five senses, right? To, to pay mm-hmm. attention. So what do you notice? And then, um, to, to repeat it over time, it's a, it's a walk you, you do every day. So I love that. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of fascinating science about how being in the natural world helps us in our well-being. Um, helps us feel more calm, less stressed. Um, we get, we, we're more patient, we're more creative. The, the kind of scientific evidence is endless, but the thing for me that's really important is to kind of decenter our individual perspective, right? Like we live such, in such a me, me culture and you kind of have to be in order to thrive and survive, um, to, to, to be able to live, to kind of really put, you know, put number one first. But what, what we do when we go out into the natural world is to remember that we're like only one piece of the puzzle <laughs> and we are one piece, right? It doesn't make us invisible and, and not existing. We're absolutely who we are, but that we are only part of a much wider tapestry of living things. Um, and, and to see, you know, the, the, the world around us, not as kind of like this dead, landscape that's just in the background of our life, but to see ourselves enmeshed in these intertwined systems of living things, it, it immediately right sizes me when I do that. Like, you know, it, not everything is about me, it turns out. <laughs> and so for, for my kind of mental well-being and just honestly, like being a good person in the world, I find it extremely helpful. Yeah, totally. I think it's super helpful too. And like I said, I am trying to connect more with nature and I'll get there. I'll get there. But connection is a major through line in your entire book. And that continues into chapter four, connecting with transcendence. Really, this was probably my favorite chapter. I love prayer so much. I pray Ah. every day and I, I use it almost like a journal, um, which is kind of fun. It's like, God is my pen pal. Um, and I, I talk to God or whatever I want to call it that day. Um, in a very casual way, Mm -hmm. but it's very personal and, um, it's great. I have like my, my own relationship with, uh, with that entity. And it's very helpful, um, Mm. for people who are religious or not, what ways can people use prayer in their daily lives? Oh, such a good question. I, I honestly have, have always felt so intimidated and also like ridicule prayer. <laughs> like I didn't grow <laughs> up with it. And so I've always, you know, I talk about it in the book as thinking about some sort of like magical jukebox in the sky that you ask like Santa God, like, please give me these things. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> but the more I learned about it in divinity school, the more I was like, Oh, that is a caricature of this practice. And what it's really about is exactly what you do, which is to kind of have an an honest, open conversation. Um, uh, and the, the way that I've learned to structure it that I found very helpful and that helped me recognize that I'm kind of already praying without realizing that I did, um, was using this, uh, Christian structure of acts. So ACTS, and it starts with adoration. So it starts with the idea of let's, let's decenter ourselves, just like we were talking about before with the natural world. So you might want to like remember a really beautiful place or, or I love listening to it, listening to a beautiful piece of music. And that just kind of opens my imagination, opens my heart and my mind, um, and, and gets me to, you know, feel connected to something bigger than myself. Then secondly comes contrition, uh, or confession. And this is for me the most, it's like the hardest, but also the most satisfying part. And it's basically, you know, that feeling that you have the day after you did something, you're like, I kind of screwed up. 
like that was unfair or I said something I shouldn't have or why do I always do that? <laughs> you know, I feel like, you know, that, that we all have those moments of where we realize like we didn't, we didn't behave in the way that we wanted to. Um, and this is the moment where we get to say it, you know, and it's, and it's not in a sort of like self-hating situation. We're just telling the truth about what we know, where we've fallen short, where we've missed the mark. Um, so I say those, I say those out loud. Then comes Thanksgiving. And I think all of us already do this, right? Whether it's around the Thanksgiving table once a year, or whether it's like having a gratitude journal or sharing your gratefuls with, you know, your partner before you go to bed or doing it around the dinner table with, with kids. Um, it's just sharing the things that we're, we're grateful for. And then finally, at the very end is what is called supplication. So this is where we do ask for the things that we, that we want, but rather than saying like, please give me uh, a Nintendo 64, which of course is very old and no one makes anymore, but still I love Nintendo 64. <laughs> hey, I would, I would love one. <laughs> right. <Whatever. laughs> <laughs> I'm such a Mario Kart. Throwback. Um, yeah. yeah. So instead of asking like for things, the way I think about it is, first of all, for yourself, like give me the strength to do this difficult task or like, please give me the patience to be a good partner or please right? like you're kind of asking for attributes, but you're also asking for good things for other people. Um, and it's and I don't even really mean asking in the sense that like, I will now give it to you, good person, right? Like that's, that's not what I mean. <laughs> but you're sending kind of well wishes, you're sending good intentions and love and care. Um, and there have been some fascinating initial studies done around that kind of prayer, where if you know that someone is sending you goodness and care and love and, and through that kind of, you know, even though you're far away from each other, it has an impact on how quickly you heal from an operation, for example. Um, and so it, it's, it's a really uh, wonderful practice of, of looking after each other and encouraging each other and caring for each other that, that I'm really passionate about. Um, so that's, that's the way I think about prayer and in a way that hopefully doesn't feel, you know, super abstract and weird, but actually kind of already how we do things now, it's just a different way and maybe a more structured way of thinking about it. Yeah, I think, words have a lot of power. And when we hear the word prayer, we can be taken right back to a really bad experience, especially if someone had a traumatic church or religious experience. And so to use that word uh, might be hard for some people, but whatever word it is, I think that, yeah, this practice is, is really, really powerful and affirmations and just the idea of sending good energy out into the world. I so believe in, and I, I think that we do get it back in ways and it does help us. So why not do it? <laughs> why not help others and help ourselves at the same time? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Casper, I know this work is going to inspire a lot of people and I know they're going to want to know how to find you. So please tell us where we can find you, where we can purchase your inspiring book and just keep up with the incredible work that you're doing. Absolutely. Check out powerofritual.org where you'll find all the ways and links to, to buy the book and especially want to encourage you to support local bookstores if you can. Um, and I write a weekly newsletter. So on the same uh, website, you'll see a little place where you can sign up for a newsletter, which will uh, have lots more fun links and, and uh, experiences in there. And you can follow me on uh, Twitter at at Casper TK and on Instagram at Casper TK underscore because there's a 17 year old in Norway who won't give up his username. But oh okay. my God, come on. <laughs> Do you know who he is? Do you know who no, he is? Give it no. up. 
<laughs> it's one that he hasn't posted in like three years. I was like, you're clearly not using it. Like, let's Screw be him. <laughs> How hateful. Now, Casper, I have one last request. I would absolutely love for you to bless the listeners of this podcast. It is something uh, you do that <laughs> I just really enjoy on Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, uh, just to leave everyone with something uplifting to think about over the next few days. Oh, that's such a lovely invitation. I'd be glad to. May everyone listening to this remember that they are held in love, that they're grounded in wisdom that they're growing to give their gifts in the world and that there is nothing that can separate them from the belonging that all of us are inherently given. So I hope you have a wonderful week and wish you every happiness for the rest of the day. Mm, thank you so much. That was really beautiful. Let the people say amen. <laughs> well, thank you for being on here and really just thank you for your work. Just you uplift people in all that you do and you make their lives a little better by giving them the tools and the ability to um, to make their own life sacred and, and to look at it in a different lens. And so I appreciate you and I really thank you for the work that you do. Tyler, right back at you. I so appreciate this conversation and I, I know what you're creating in the world is so needed. So thank you to you and, and everyone listening. I really appreciate this time. How amazing to have him on the podcast. Here are my main takeaways. Number one, you don't have to be religious in order to benefit from sacred practices. You're most likely already participating in these acts, but bringing mindfulness to them will deepen your connection and experience, revealing insights you might not have otherwise known. Number two, humans decide what is and is not sacred. Number three, we can make pretty much anything sacred. Find something that you connect with, like that movie that you always watch when you're sick, and using Casper's advice, deepen your connection with it. That movie for me, Kiki's Delivery Service. Now, it's important to note and remember that not all humans find the same thing sacred. Some people believe the Torah, for example, is sacred, while others do not. But as long as a text, item, or activity isn't harmful or hurting anyone, we should respect everyone's right to choose what they find sacred. Now, I don't know how, but Kiki's Delivery Service may not do it for everyone. But that doesn't make it any less meaningful to me. Get it? Got it? Good. Number four, any author can potentially be problematic. However, if you still relate to the content and themes, hold on to that. Just be mindful not to financially support bigoted assholes. Number five, get outside, get that vitamin D, and enjoy nature. Learn to appreciate how small you are in this vast, beautiful world. Number six, Lend your ear to the people in your life. Don't just ask basic ask questions like how are you, but ask questions to really get to know people. Simply asking and listening changes lives. I hope you take his words into your day and find them impactful. And y'all, I actually have the first challenge of this podcast. 
Please take a moment right now to look around. Wherever you are, take in the smells, the colors, the sounds, and just be with those sensations a moment. Is there something that comes up? A feeling? A memory? Is there a crack in the ceiling that you've never noticed before? Did you not notice how badly you have to pee? What is at your fingertips that you take for granted? Write me and please tell me what you find out. I want all the juicy details. And this is actually a two-part challenge. I know, I got a bit carried away with the challenges, but I want to still throw it out there. I challenge you to take a book or something that you love and treat it as something sacred and just see what happens. I promise you won't regret it. And if you want, you can even do that with Casper's new book, and I recommend it. I have posted links in the show notes for Casper, his new book, and his podcast. Please check him out. And also, follow this podcast. Subscribe, comment, leave a review, and reach out to me. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Let me know what you thought of these topics and if there are any other topics you would specifically like to hear. Also, check out the podcast on social media at Have a Blessed Gay on all the platforms. Now, because this content is heavy at times, you might not be able to laugh it off. And if you are struggling and having a hard time, I will always post helplines in the show notes, so please reach out if you need to. Just remember, you are special, you are purposeful, and you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.